because of foreign wars we wage More to do with the colors blue and red You said you lost too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border Politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got to be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the dancing wind Right to self-defense They say you're stable but they don't make sense Dangerous money will not turn into guns All we need to know is that of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day, wherever you are, and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And we are broadcasting live on BTR, mostly because I told Chief that I would yesterday. Uh, I'm doing the live BTR stuff uh, still mostly on Wednesdays for the uh, foreseeable future or until I can get all my tech uh, situation squared away. And then I'll probably be moving over to live broadcasting over at Spreaker uh, full-time, uh, trying to get some stuff worked away without getting too heavily involved with spending a lot of money and uh, due largely to my low technological expertise in the field. But I am learning a lot. Uh, I've made some major steps. But anyway – had planned on having Ron with me today, and unfortunately, uh, Ron Edwards has had something pop up, so he will not be joining me in this first hour. And that's fine. There's plenty of things to talk about, and I'm still trying to play catch up with a lot of stuff. But had I not told Chief that I would be on here live, I once I got full confirmation that Ron wasn't going to be with me, I still would have much preferred to have utilized the Spreaker tools to record and then just upload over here just because – the audio quality, the bandwidth, the whole thing, so much better. Of course, now, naturally, uh, it's going to be better if you're simply recording 
and then uploading. Uh, there's there's no two ways about it. So you expect a small price to be paid uh, just by virtue of making the connection. It's just that simple. But I do have to admit I have been missing the interaction, uh, folks in the chat room. So I've got the chat room uh, opened up and, and inviting folks in. In fact, I just now see uh, Hank Jones, uh, host of Poly Sports, part of the – uh, Patriot, the Global Patriot Radio Network. I, I better get that straight. Uh, he's just popped in. Uh, I don't know if Chief is going to remember uh, that uh, I'm back on, but I've basically just for the last little bit been recording and then uploading, and it has been uh, – yeah, the audio quality has been so much better, and it's taken a lot of stress off of me. But the downside is, is it's also, while I'm trying to work out the technical issues, been a pain in the backside to get guests on board. So I am going to still continue, at least on Wednesdays, to be over here until I get things squared away. So if you want to pop in, come on over and uh, uh, hi right back at you, Hank. Uh, thank you for uh, being here. Uh, hopefully a few other of the regulars will figure out that I'm on live and we'll come visit here shortly. But in the meanwhile, uh, let's get into the action, shall we, Alice? Like I said at the top, lots of things to talk about, starting with the fact that today, uh, for the benefit of those of you who are listening to the rebroadcast on the various terrestrial radio stations that do that with this show, time of the live broadcast is uh, February the 3rd. It's 2021. It's a few brief moments after 7 p.m. I'm really just getting started because I have learned my lesson with these late starts. BTR has not been wanting to let me log in. So instead of establishing a start time, uh, I've been doing the go live thing. So <laughs> I've learned at least that much. <laughs> BTR, you will not defeat me. I, I don't even, it shouldn't be adversarial. I am a customer. A pay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's get into the story. Um, as of today, Wednesday, February 3rd, prosecutors in Wisconsin have asked a judge for a new arrest warrant for Kyle Rittenhouse. You remember Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, the Illinois teenager who was charged with shooting three people, two of whom died during the Kenosha County riots, you know, all the way back. How far, how long ago was it? Oh, yeah, just August 25th of last year. Yeah, and I say it like that because it's amazing how quickly Democrats, Democrat office holders, uber leftists, the globals, it, how quickly they forget what has transpired. How quickly they forget the meaning of words, so they try to change the meaning. How quickly they forget that for an entire summer… Formerly great American cities were burning down at the hands of people just expressing themselves. Anyway, back to this story. So um, Rittenhouse, of course, was charged with first-degree intentional homicide, which I kind of think is a requirement for you to be uh, first-degree. I, I, I'm not a lawyer, and maybe the state law is a little different there. Maybe, but I don't see how you can get first degree anywhere based on my understanding of the definition of first degree murder without it being intentional. But anyway, Rittenhouse was charged with first degree murder, uh, well, intentional homicide, and attempted 
intentional homicide in the wounding of a third and a misdemeanor charge of underage firearm possession after he posted a $2 million bond and was released from jail. Now, as reported by the Associated Press just a little while ago, Kenosha County prosecutors are alleging in a motion that was filed with Judge Bruce Schrodner that Rittenhouse failed to inform the court of his change of address within 48 hours of moving. Uh, the motion asked that the uh, judge issue an arrest warrant and increase Rittenhouse bail by an additional $200,000. Assuming it would be very difficult for him to raise that fund. I I would imagine it was difficult for them to get the $2 million for the first bail release. Not likely the very many normal citizens in this country would be able to raise the additional funds, even if they're going through a bail of bondsman. <coughs> Excuse me. Anyway, after the incident in Kenosha… Which, of course, culminated in Rittenhouse discharging his weapon, shooting three people. Rittenhouse fled to his home in Antioch, you know, in Illinois, and turned himself into police there the next day. Now, if you've watched the footage, and yes, there's enough footage that you can get a pretty definitive answer, I think it's fairly clear-cut. One can make the argument, one can make the distinction that young Mr. Rittenhouse was, in fact, behaving in a defensive manner. People were trying to hurt, perhaps even kill him. Okay? Now, you can make the argument all you want that maybe you shouldn't have been there. And maybe you have a legitimate point for that. But I would say if that's your argument… If that's where you're going to, to make your stand, then it should be Rittenhouse's father who brought him along who should be held accountable for that, not, not young Kyle. Now, nobody's going to go that route. Of course, leftists would take that opportunity, I assure you, but they want them both because they want to make an example, right? Gun rights for thee, but not for uh, us, you know. Well… Here's the problem. I, On the one hand, I'm thinking to myself, if I'm going into a situation – because let me remind you. Let me paint the picture once again just in case you've forgotten some of the details here. The Rittenhouses went to go aid a family friend who owned a business in Kenosha. At the time they went there, everybody knew that the old excrement was about to hit – the fan. They knew it, what was coming. So he went there to try to help support and secure the family friend's property. Ordinarily, it would be the job of the police. Now, various reports, which some members of the Kenosha Police Department have indicated may be true, others have denied, uh, but various members of the Kenosha Police Department evidently corralled certain rioters, and yes, there is a distinct difference between rioters and protesters. They directed certain rioters 
in the direction of places where they knew well-armed individuals were standing up for self-defense of person and personal property. They were in basically, in effect, allowing members of the community to do some self-policing. Now, you can argue how well that goes. I myself would have argued that if that's true, and the only reason I mention it is because there's still a lot of reports swirling around, and a lot of officers who were there that night say that it was. Well, if that was true, then those police officers probably did the wrong thing. They should have tried everything within their power to corral the rioters and keep them away from those areas because that's how you know something bad's about to happen. Now, in the process of these groups being corralled in the general direction of some of the better prepared individuals, uh, young Master Kyle got separated from the group of people that were there. And that's when the trouble began. He Literally was running away. We see this in the video. He was running away. Shots were heard. Somebody else had shot at him first. He turned and fired in self-defense. Then the guy who lived, but he got his arm blown off or very nearly, he was literally about to shoot him. Had a firearm, a pistol in his hand, clearly about to shoot him. And again, I, I go back to if you're going to blame anybody here, uh, you should, of course, blame the rioters who were trying to kill him. Why? Because they're the ones that forced the issue. Kyle Rittenhouse tried to evade the situation. He retreated. Now, there's a lot of states in this country where you don't have a legal responsibility to retreat first and then defend yourself with deadly force only as a last resort. If that was the legal standard there in this case, then he fulfilled it, and you can make the argument all day long about what role Kyle's father played in this because, again, that's something I've been wrestling with myself because part of me I'm thinking if I'm this kid's dad, I know crap is about to go down. I'm probably not going to want my kids anywhere near it, but if I have decided – that I'm going to interject myself into that situation, that I'm going to stand beside my family friend, that I'm going to be there, that I'm going to take up arms in the defense of my friend's property, and I've got a young 17-year-old son who's about to be an adult, then I just might be tempted to say, come on, son, this is how, this is how life works. You can't count on the government. To solve your problems. You can't count on the government to take care of you. You can't count on the government to protect you. In fact, dadgummit, 99% of the time, the government is what you need protection from. So I might have been tempted. I, I don't know that I really find a huge flaw in the logic of Kyle's dad. I do find a huge flaw in this but I guess virtue signaling uh, again, virtue signaling, declaring blood for Kyle Rittenhouse when all he did was defend himself. And as far as we know, 
I'm not even certain that he wanted to be there. It's not like he was out roaming these streets looking for someone to kill. People died as a result because they created the issue. I, I don't think Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero the way I've heard some people make it out, but I don't see him as a criminal. But that's not going to change the fact that the left is coming after him and the left is coming after him hard. This new motion the prosecutors wrote up, they said, quote, that they learned Rittenhouse was no longer living at his Antioch address after the court mailed him a notice, and it was returned as undeliverable on January 28th. Now, Kenosha detectives traveled to the address on Tuesday and delivered another man I'm sorry, should be discovered. Uh, I hate it when I come across a typo, especially when I'm the one who made the typo. Anyway, <laughs> and discovered another man had rented the apartment and had been living there since mid-December. Well, this just opens up the door, doesn't it? We're looking for any excuse to go after this guy. We've got George Soros-funded DAs all across the country looking for any excuse not to charge certain groups of criminal, but best believe they don't want those laws taken off the books because they want to throw the book as hard as they can try to make an example. Continuing to quote here, he posted no money, so he has no financial stake in the bond. He is already facing the most serious possible criminal charges and life in prison. So in comparison, potential future criminal penalties are insignificant. Now, when he says that he posted no money, that's because patriots across the country saw this kid being railroaded and saw this was a direct result of him defending himself, and they started one of these self-fund pages, and, and they crowdsourced the funding, and they paid that initial bail. So it's true. The family's not out that money. It would be very difficult for them to do that again at this point, which is part of, by the way, why I'm trying to make sure that this story is getting out there as early as possible. Everybody needs to know. Please share this story. Let everybody else know just in case you know somebody who's willing to try to help these guys out again. Now, according to online court records, Mark Richards, Rittenhouse's attorney, filed a motion objecting to the prosecutor's request, You know, like any reasonable attorney would if you're defending a client, uh, regarding his <clears throat> original charges. Prosecutors alleged that Rittenhouse had responded to a malicious call to protect businesses in Kenosha and opened fire on three men, killing Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber, and of course wounding Gage Gruskruzitz, I think. I, I'm not so good with this last name. Uh, sorry, Gage, no disrespect intended, but dude, seriously, why were you trying to shoot Kyle? Why were you out on the streets anyway? If you weren't looking for trouble, if you didn't think something bad could happen, why were you out in the middle of a riot where people were already getting shot? Why were you armed? Surely you expected something. Now, the only thing actual criminal that occurred is technically 
in Wisconsin, it was illegal for Kyle to have that firearm. They've got one of these stupid little uh, minors aren't allowed to have working firearms laws. Uh, a very foreign concept to somebody like myself here in uh, East Tennessee, where not that long ago, although it's longer than I like to think because I'm talking about back when I was in high school, there was nothing at all. I, I went to a very rural area, and uh, it wasn't unusual at all for uh, some of the juniors and seniors to come in, uh, getting to drive themselves on the campus. Always cool. get to see the cool kids. But it wouldn't be all that uncommon for some of these folks, especially during the uh, winter months, to come into school having went hunting before they came into class. So they would have these rifle racks in the back of the trucks. I, I can't remember the last time I've seen a gun rack in the back of a truck. And here I am in East Tennessee. I miss that. Now, there's a lot of folks that have taken them out because it sort of turned them into targets for theft as opposed to being concerned about gun control and scaring the the weak-spined. Ooh, I'm scared of a gun. But the point of the matter is that some of these kids, they would go hunting in the mornings before school, and so they'd have their uh, rifle uh, racks, little gun racks in the back of the truck in, inside the cab, of course, for those of you who may not be familiar with the idea. Hopefully most of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, but just in case, a little rack where you would set rifles up and uh, usually have two or three rifles, various whatever. Uh, so that uh, you could accommodate whatever hunting you were doing, and you'd have it in the truck with you so you could just go on a whim. It wasn't something that frightened people when somebody rolled into a school parking lot and you know, I had a shotgun and uh, <laughs> oh, a long rifle of some kind uh, in the back of the truck because it was common. It was normal, and everybody knew to respect them. I miss that. Anyway, Rittenhouse had said way back in November, uh, quote, I feel I had to protect myself. I would have died that night if I didn't. I think the footage bears that out. If you don't recall the footage, by all means, the video is still out there available. You might take you a little bit longer to go find it. But it's it's not a mystery. It's not surprising. It's not shocking. This young man was put in this position, for better or for worse. But once he was there, he has the right to defend himself. And it is clear from every piece of video footage that's been offered as evidence against him that he was acting in his own self-defense. He was not looking for trouble, wasn't looking for a fight, was actually there because his dad had brought him. Now, I don't know about this militia thing, but we all know that the left does tend to exaggerate just a little bit. They seem to have a lot of difficulty in understanding the difference between reality and what they want you to perceive as reality. Perception is reality in their mind. That's why we're not allowed to have such a thing as objective truth. All truth is subjective. It has to be. Don't tell me what actually happened. Tell me your truth because your truth matters. Your feelings matter. We don't need equality. We need equity. Please. The fact that Kyle Rittenhouse is now having to 
once again face this new potential threat from a law system that's taking place technically a state away. But it's such a high-profile character, there's no way this is going to be allowed to just to just let it go. We're not going to get Elsa from the Disney movies, Frozen, rolling in and singing a chorus of Let It Go in order to save the day. Common sense, which of course has become an oxymoron in the modern world, has become so extremely rare it's practically a superpower. Common sense is not going to win the day here. Kyle Rittenhouse and his attorneys are going to have to go to court. They're going to have to fight this, and I pray to all the powers that be that the judges that hear this case will will act in a reasonable fashion that falls in line with the law. And worst-case scenario, maybe some fine may be put in place for the violation of Kyle actually having this weapon that he had since technically it was illegal for him as a minor to have it in this scenario. But again, I would like to point out that I tend to think whatever whatever fault you may find here probably best belongs laid at the feet of Mr. Rittenhouse's father. Just saying. That's who took him. That's who put him in this situation. And like I said, I, I still don't know that I blame him. I don't necessarily I, – I continue to be torn. Part of me says, nah, you should have never brought him there. And then another part of me thinks that if I had a son – some of the things I've done with my daughters, particularly my youngest daughter who's been the most uh, boisterous in pushing back against left think, and thank God for that. I, I am so appreciative of all my daughters. Uh the fact that I only have daughters has been a concern to me, but I, I wonder if I had a son and I was in that situation. If I had decided I was going to go, I had a 17-year-old son. Would I leave him at the house or would I want him to see what sometimes has to be done in order to make sure that justice prevails? Because it would not be just for those rioters to have just been allowed to tear down, burn down, riot, and, and destroy the property of the business owner. It just wouldn't be. Sorry, Nancy. Sorry, AOC. Sorry, all you guys out there who just don't know any better. All right, I rambled long enough for <laughs> this uh, first segment. So let's take that mid-hour break while I am at it. Uh, let's do some uh, Edward's Notebooks, Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. And the newest segment, uh, got a series of PSAs from Second Amendment activist Mr. Dan Wass. Uh, so we'll be playing some of those too. In the meanwhile, you guys kind of stay right where you're at, uh, and uh, let's start with one of uh, let's start with one of Dan's. It's not so unbelievable that governments would want to disarm their citizens, but that citizens would beg to be disarmed by their government is a much scarier thought. We've seen government control most recently in Venezuela where citizens are left to defend themselves against a violent government by throwing rocks because not too long ago they were disarmed by that very government under the guise of gun safety. Gun control laws like the ones in Venezuela are exactly what our political left in America would like to see here. As a mother, I am terrified. I have four children in our public school system, and if they knew that their teachers were potentially carrying a gun... They want to be disarmed by our government so badly that they protest in the streets 
demanding that government take away their rights. All for that assault weapons ban to keep these weapons of war out of the hands of civilians who do not need them. All for the prohibition of high-capacity magazines because no hunter will ever need access to a magazine that can kill 17 in mere minutes. How does this happen? Well, it's complicated, but it starts with very powerful propaganda targeted at people who can't think. People who have been taught to believe that freedom is dangerous. People who can't think for themselves are targeted from many directions, schools, movies, news sources, and even their own friends and family. And once they're on board with the anti-gun fear campaign, they continue to perpetuate the irrational gun fear. Well, they have to justify their position, right? Also yeah. don't need home protection. Um, you, don't, you don't need guns for home protection. You don't want to bring more guns into a situation. The answer to solving violence is not more violence. Gun fear is cultivated purely for the purpose of gun control support. But the people who spread it don't always know that they've been misled. They think they're doing a good thing. These same people are taught to hate gun owners. They're taught that gun owners are recklessly and intentionally putting everyone in danger. They're taught that gun owners are the enemy and more government control will protect them from the enemy. Why does anybody need an assault rifle if they're not going to war? I don't think there's any reason to have 33 bullets in a killing machine that you can take into a place like a school. Watch these anti-gun activist groups in action and you can't help but ask yourself if they have any clue what the real results would be if they were successful. So what's the real problem here? Is it really guns or is this about something else? I mean, do guns cause violence? How do we let the gun grabbers hijack the conversation and direct the focus to firearms when we all know we really should be talking about what causes human violence? You see, if we were to look at what causes human violence in this country, we'd be forced to look at gang violence, open borders, sanctuary cities, rampant pharmaceutical drug use, and gun-free zones, all things that the anti-gun political left supports. So to the anti-gunners, why in the world would you want your government to take away your rights? The Second Amendment is not a privilege. It's your right. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. On January 25th, 1974, Ronald Reagan gave his famous Shining City on a Hill speech. He was bitterly opposed to the dark, dim direction our nation was heading. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, time does not permit me to share the Gipper's entire message, but his most inspiring conclusion is itself a message for the ages. And I quote, We cannot escape our destiny, nor should we try to. The leadership of the free world was thrust upon us two centuries ago in that little hall of Philadelphia. In the days following World War II, when the economic strength and power of America was all that stood between the world and the return to the Dark Ages, Pope Pius XII said, The American people have great genius for splendid and unselfish actions. Into the hands of America, God has placed the destinies of an afflicted mankind. We are indeed, we are today, the last best hope of mankind on earth. Today our republic is embroiled in a war between those on the political left who literally want to recast her as one nation under China and mob rule. And today's re-founding fathers who seek to re-establish our exceptional nation way of life with true liberty and justice for all. I'm Ron Edwards.
Check out theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Hello, this is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Did you know that the unemployment rate for homeless veterans was twice the national average? And without proper shoes, it's hard to get a job? Here's your Veterans Tip of the Day. People from all over the country helped us with our annual Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Shoes and Socks for Homeless Veterans. There was a time this summer where we believed that probably it wouldn't be successful because of the pandemic, but decided to go ahead and do it anyway. We reached out in the local community and on the various radio shows that I'm on, asked for their support. In a little over three weeks, we received 400 pairs of shoes and over 1,000 pairs of socks for homeless veterans so they can go out and look for a job and have a decent pair of shoes to wear. We at Songs and Stories for Soldiers and all the 400-plus soldiers who will receive these shoes and socks say thank you for your generosity. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you just heard Mr. Dan Perkins, and Dan Perkins will finally be rejoining me uh, next week. I expect him to be here, providing nothing uh, wonky happens between now and then, uh, next Wednesday. And uh, I want to say uh, uh, hello and uh, give a quick shout-out to Flycatch, who's joined us in the chat room. Uh, glad to – happy to see you, sir. Uh, and again – We'll be here live on Wednesdays. That will probably be about it here on BTR uh, for the foreseeable future. I'm really doing more stuff over in Spreaker now. The audio quality is better. The, I don't have the same issues. Uh, honestly, I almost think BTR is just trying to nudge me away. Uh, <laughs> at any rate, I doubt I'm the only one feeling that way. But uh, hey, uh, glad to have you here. Hope you'll come back. And uh, here we go. Back into the uh, back into the mess of things. I, uh, <laughs> I I don't even know really how much to to say in regards to this next story. Uh, mostly because I don't know how much these people truly believe this, and how much of it is having to fall in line, having to toe the line, having to be politically correct, having to be woke. Enough to not be flustered, having to be woke enough to not be canceled. Uh, of course, what I'm talking about is Joe Biden's education secretary pick. Uh, he was in the middle of his confirmation hearing, and he happened to say that he believes schools have a legal responsibility to include transgender men in women's sports. So like I said, during the Senate confirmation hearing, the incoming education secretary, Mr. Miguel uh, Cardona I, – I think that's the proper pronunciation. No disrespect intended towards Miguel if that's wrong. Please forgive me, sir, on that. I never tried to botch anybody's name, although I'm seriously questioning things you said. Okay, so Miguel was asked by Senator Rand Paul whether he believes it is fair – to have transgender boys participate in girls' sports. And of course, Cardona affirmed that transgender men should have access to biological women's sports. <sighs> yeah. Just, just want to let that hang there for a second. All right, back to quoting now. He said, quote, I think that it's critically important 
that the education system and educators respect the rights of all students, including students who are transgender, and that they are afforded the opportunities that every other student has to participate in extracurricular activities. Uh, before I continue, I, I want to raise my hand. You know, I'm here back in the class, uh, and had I been present, I would have to ask, is anyone excluding these transgender individuals from participating on the sports teams of the biological sex they happen to be? I mean, I get why they may not want to participate uh, with the boys, and, and not just from a competitive level. Uh, I, I don't think this is necessarily a case of guys thinking, eh, I'm only mediocre as a guy, but I can dominate the girls, which that does tend to happen to some degree, just FYI. But uh, I think in some cases they've kind of committed to this persona, and it would be tough to interact with the guys that are not identifying as such. Now, granted, we're supposed to be moving towards a more woke time. We're not supposed to tolerate horseplay in the locker rooms. We're not supposed to accept that perhaps guys might still be guys. We're, we're supposed to be squashing all that, right? I mean, toxic masculinity and all that business. We, we just can't allow it. But the flip side of that coin, guys, is if it does go away, then there's one less thing you lefties have to complain about. I mean, first of all, uh, half of the uh, feminist, uh, third wave and now fourth wave feminist, would have nothing to complain about except, I don't know, the government. Oops, well, that makes them the wrong kind of protester, doesn't it? Um, what else? What else? Who? who I, I, I just think that becomes problematic for the left. They kind of need toxic masculinity, especially when what they refer to as toxic is really just genuine masculinity. Uh, the real toxic version of masculinity is the uh, little soy boy wannabes. That's pretty daggum toxic to society and to mankind as a whole. And yes, dadgummit, I use the phrase mankind in referring to the human race. Uh, deal with it. <laughs> anyway, uh, Miguel continued. I, I can call him Miguel. Uh, we're we're buds now, right? We're we're gonna get a lot of time to get to know Miguel, so we'll all be friends. We'll be on a first name basis. Anyway, he continued by saying, uh, quoting again. Now, I think it's the legal responsibility of schools to provide opportunities for students to participate in activities, and this includes students who are transgender. Yeah. Okay. Again, I'm go I'm going to have to ask: Is there anybody trying to deny these students opportunities to participate in extracurricular activities? I uh, I I don't know of any. Now, if it's happening, maybe you take it up on a school board by school board basis. But there is a legitimate effort to say, not so fast, you biological male. Because it legitimately does take away opportunities for girls, women, 
biological females, whatever PC term is not going to to tune you out so that you plug up your ears and run away screaming and and suddenly have uh, flashbacks to your Trump derangement syndrome if you happen to be a leftist and this bothers you. Whatever term you want to use, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. But it does legitimately take away opportunities for female athletes to shine when you interject male athletes who <sighs> let's see, is is this going to be offensive enough? I'm feeling I'm feeling the need to be a little offensive. I, I don't normally feel that way, but I'm kind of feeling it right now because this is such an absurd conversation. Is it fair? To biological females to have to compete against biological males? Does it fair for the girls' high school athletes to have to play against boys who seem confused and think that they're girls? That really wasn't that offensive, was it? I was going to say something that probably would have made some of these lefties' eyes bleed. I still went and self-edited. I, I shouldn't do that. should just start throwing the bombs like everybody else. But I, I'm still I, – I don't understand. I think the simplest solution myself is to let transgender athletes compete with other transgender athletes. Just make their own division, and there you have it. Uh, no big issues. Now, the problem there is that Despite the best efforts of social engineering by the left, there's still not huge numbers available. So it's entirely possible that a school district like here locally may only have one or two transgendered individuals, at least those that actually identify as such. Not from lack of trying. I mean everybody uh, from uh, your standard local television broadcast to every person that's on social media uh, that has less than half a brain, you know, the folks that link to the left, they're trying to convince everybody that not only is it okay, but it's natural, it's normal, it's actually the normal state of things, that everyone is actually that way, and that we would know how normal it would be to be transgender, to suffer from gender dysphoria if it wasn't for all those heteronormative societal norms that are crammed down their throats because gender is just a construct. Good Lord. Man. This is just a small example. I, I only continue to discuss this because a lot of us were trying to warn people on the left. Well, the, you know, the the average rank and file Democrat voter, the folks that are only slightly left of center, who honestly believe that Joe Biden might actually be a moderate as opposed to just a placeholder to let the uber leftist and the so-called progressives try to to enforce their entire wish list. We tried to warn those guys, and now they're seeing it. They're getting their buyer's remorse. They're seeing jobs taken away at a record rate. They're seeing the tyranny of executive orders being written at a record rate. They're seeing these things happen before their eyes, and they're still trying to find a way to blame Republicans and still trying to find a way to blame conservatives and still trying to find a way to blame people like me because, hey, conservative, talk radio. You're still poisoning the minds of these people, and it's our fault. Yeah, okay, whatever, guys. But seriously, it's time to take a look in the mirror. We tried to warn you. 
this is what Operation Pee Pads and Knee Pads looks like, which, again, I'll remind everyone, it's my little nickname for the Biden-Harris administration. It is official. America is engaged in Operation Pee Pads and Knee Pads. I'll let you decide which of the two represents what. But during this confirmation hearing, Rand Paul also told Cardona that he found his position on biological men uh, competing in women's sports to be bizarre to most Americans. Quoting here, a lot of us think that that's bizarre, not very fair. And then he added, frankly, some boys that's six foot two competing against my five foot four niece doesn't sound very fair. I think most people in the country think it's bizarre. Not exactly a resounding defense, but hey, at least it was an effort to try and make it sound more reasonable. And, and actually, I'm going to give him some points because here's the thing. As conservatives, we do tend to trade more in facts and in information and try to leave emotions out of decision-making as much as possible because we know emotions usually lead to snap decisions that aren't always the best in retrospect. So we expect somebody who's going to be a United States senator to make a compelling argument. But I'm going to give him props here in so much as that he wasn't speaking to us. He doesn't need to speak to us in this case. We already know what's wrong with this notion. We already know what's wrong with the very idea that this should be normalized, that this should be okay, that we should be telling school districts that they have a legal obligation to make it happen. We already know this. So he tried to put it in a fashion where a lot of the folks, again, those middle-of-the-road, mostly moderate, slightly left-of-center Democratic voters can latch on, can, can understand Without making it sound like he's talking down to them. That's kind of a lost art at this point. I, I know I can't do it. I can't have a conversation with these people for more than five minutes before I've completely lost my cool, and I, I'm going into the freaking Michael Savage bomb-throwing, uh, just Mark Levin screaming at the collars kind of thing after a while because I've lost my patience with them. And what's worse is I've been trying to be more patient lately, and the problem is these guys all think they're winning. They have no idea the dangerous road they're on. They have no idea how far this cancel culture thing is going to take them. This is literally the Cloward and Piven destroy from within scenario playing out. They're trying to collapse us economically, and they're trying to collapse us socially, and they're trying to destroy us from within because Americans by definition before have always pulled together when we needed to. But we also always respected one another even when we didn't agree. Well, congratulations, globalist, leftist, elitist. You've managed to take that. Pretty much out of American society. Hope you're proud of yourself. Problem is, they are. It's their goal. It has been all along. 
But how do we push back? How do we fight back? How do we, it's not enough to sit here behind this microphone anymore. It's just not. It's not enough for me to spend hours trying to write articles and get them published in various locations, things that I still continue to do because I feel like that's the best place for me to fit and fight it. But it's not enough. For those of you out there who do pick up a microphone, for those of you out there who do become keyboard warriors on the social media platforms, God bless you, everyone. And for those of you who haven't been booted off your social media yet, bless you even more. But we do need to do exactly what Rand Paul was doing right there. We need to get better at conveying the message to people that don't understand the way we think that don't understand the way we normally talk to one another. We need to get emotional without being condescending because it's okay for them to be condescending in the argument. They're going to be. We have to develop thick enough skin that we don't let that bother us, and we have to continue. So Rand Paul, he, he did good there actually even though to a lot of us, and I know my initial reaction until I thought about it a little bit was, gee, how milk toast? I, I, that's exactly what it but then the more I thought about it, I realized he's not talking to us. We're not the ones that need convincing. Anyway, the point of the story here is uh, Biden has already issued an executive order calling on the schools to allow transgender athletes to compete in sports based off the gender with which they identify rather than their biological sex. The order, of course, contradicts the Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights Title IX interpretation that such rules deny women equal athletic opportunities and violates federal law. Although under the Obama administration, uh, which uh, Biden seems to be basically just trying to rehash everything they did there and then stack a whole bunch of new crap on top of… I'm just building uh, – I'm building this brand new house of leftist insanity on the, the foundation that Barack Hussein al-Akbar Obama built. Oh, wait. Biden wouldn't call him that, would he? But it's absolutely true that this is a an insane policy, one that – by the way, I would like to remind everybody that there is no legal – Constitutional authority or right for an executive order to mean jack squat about in regards to this because this is federal law. It's gotten to the point now where I feel like, aside from a few of you fine folks out there, I feel like I'm screaming out into the wilderness, pulling my hair out. Uh, one of the few people remaining that still understands what an executive order actually does, what it actually is within the confines of the Constitution, what limits of authority it actually has outside of the executive branch, it doesn't mean jack. And the only time it's treated like law, or the only time it should be treated like law, is when the legislature has voted to authorize the executive branch that level of authority. And the fun part of that is the fact that there are still better than 60% of constitutional scholars that argue the point that the legislature does not have the constitutional authority to vote away their responsibilities to another branch. 
so there's still a lot of folks that have spent a lot of time looking at the history, looking at the document that will tell you that there is no occasion, zero, none, even when Congress wants the president to have the authority, that the president has the authority to write an executive order that can and will and should be treated like it's the law. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Chief, who's uh, snuck in, and of course to Bring It Boy, who's in the house as well. Glad to have you guys uh, here. Uh, sorry, uh, been missing you guys. I have missed the uh, direct interaction, by the way. I have been, uh, but I've been recording uh, offsite and uh, uploading. I, I did have a ton of technical issues that had nothing to do with BTR, and then I'm still having difficulty with BTR. They don't want to let me log in my call for some reason. I've got to sit here and try and try and try and try. It's insane. But I still haven't managed to get everything set up so I can start taking guests over on Spreaker. Uh, but I am recording on Spreaker, and then I'm uploading and doing that stuff. So I hope you guys aren't missing the show, those of you that care enough to want to uh, to listen in. Still been doing it and have been uploading it here. Uh, but I have missed the interaction. I, I really have. It's not the same without you. So glad to see you, boy. I uh, hope uh, Suzette's uh, nearby and having a blast, too. Uh, glad to have you guys here. Uh, quick reminder, I've already mentioned it a few times, but for the benefit of those of you who are here, I will continue to do live shows here on Wednesdays at least for the next little bit until I can work things out to get things squared away and be able to, to take the guest on because I'm still having a lot of trouble getting the integration with the Skype because I'm trying to do different – it's a mess. <laughs> um has been looking for me uh, with no luck. Yeah, and I, I just I haven't been doing anything live. I've been recording everything and then just uploading it is what I've really been doing. That's why. And again, I sorry, but yeah, we'll be we'll be doing the Spreaker live stuff once I get everything squared away. I that's it is coming. The, the audio quality is enough for me. Although sometimes I do hate how crystal clear a lot of things in the background are. I, I just like the the audio clips that I play to sound better. Uh, ah, Suzette says she can help. Well, I uh, I just might uh, just might take you guys up on that a little later. Thank you very much for the offer. I appreciate it. I definitely do need to get that squared away. But at any rate, I'm going to leave things for the first hour right there, and I am going to reset – just here in a moment, and part of the reason for that is because there are still some great radio stations out there that are rebroadcasting the show, but they typically do it in one-hour increments. So I'm going to go ahead and do that little reset thing. So those of you who are here live, uh, you know, presuming that you want to, of course, don't go anywhere. I'll pick right back up on the other side. Uh, for those of you, however, that I am about to say goodbye to uh, – you know, if you're listening to great radio stations around the country like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, or, you know, possibly some uh, great radio station like WCET FM, Talk, well, Columbia's Talk over in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're in one of those locations, I do want to ask you right now whatever else you take away from this broadcast, don't take a word that I've said as gospel. Please don't. Just, just don't take it at face value. What I want you to do is go do some research. You're going to have to put in a little bit of effort. I know it's tough. It's hard. But you'll, you'll, you'll not be sorry when you did, though. So put in some uh, effort. 
because the most important thing you can do is use your brain if you're really going to tap into the truth. So you guys stay uh, healthy, stay safe, and most importantly, be smart out there even if it goes against your nature. And like I said, those of you here live or those of you listening to the podcast, stay right here. Hour number two will be up next. above the gun Hear the wind Across the plain There is no fear That I must contain And I'm in the eye Of the hurricane I see the sweat Across his brow Draw in eternal now. The fastest one is the one who's slain. I still stand, got the better aim. And I'm in the eye of the Because of foreign wars we wage, in order to 
of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And uh, glad to be back on broadcasting live with uh, a working and operating chat room. Got some of my all-time favorite folks hanging out with me in the chat room. We got Bringing It Boy and Suzette from Suzette Law. Uh, you can find her show over Spreaker. Just look for Ideas or Bulletproof Network, and you will find her there. We got Flycatch hanging out with us tonight as well. We've got Hank Jones. Uh, Hank is the host of Poly Sports over at the Global Patriot Radio Network that can be found at Blog Talk Radio if you are so inclined. And we've got Chief, host of a great show in his own right. Simple Facts of Life. Also, go to blogtalkradio.com. Uh, go to that uh, search bar at the top of the home page. You can put in the name of the show, and uh, you can find all these guys. Uh, it's phenomenal. And like I said, Suzette, you can find her over at Spreaker. And let me go ahead and give a shout-out right now, too. I haven't in a little bit. I kind of feel like I've been uh, letting my, my peeps down. Give a shout-out to Ann Ubellis, host of Southern Sense Talk Radio. Uh, 
she's back in action now after taking a little time off and glad to have her back broadcasting. Uh, Don Smith, uh, host of the Don Smith Show. Be sure to check him out as well. Saturdays uh, starts about noon Eastern. Uh, let's see who else. Rod Eccles, can't leave Rod out. And, of course, uh, my friend, my uh, compatriot, my partner in crime, and we do get downright criminal sometimes, Ron Edwards, host of the Rod Edwards uh, American Experience, uh, broadcasted across the country multiple platforms, as well as now having his YouTube channel, which uh, he's got a, a virtual Ron Edwards uh, for most of the videos, and I'm really digging the virtual, the avatar Ron. It's, it's kind of fun. I need to figure out how to play with that stuff. That that could be something I would – because you guys would much prefer to see the avatar me than actual me, I promise you. All right. We are on BTR tonight, and uh, for those of you that are here live and you're possibly wondering why exactly I, I'm refreshing the hour uh, at not quite on the hour, it's because, again, the last several times I've tried to broadcast on BTR, one of the issues I've been having, one of the reasons why I'm really looking to move and change platforms is for the last several bit, and they keep promising me that it's fixed, and it's not happening again today. Uh, I've been setting the time, and then I've been trying to uh, log in. Now I can log in uh, for to the control panel and all that wonderful stuff, the virtual uh, uh, studio, but it will not let my phone call log in, so I can't actually do anything. It's like, no, the host hasn't called in. The host hasn't, and I keep getting the message that uh, the host is unavailable. It's like, no, wait a minute, no, no, I that that. What's going on here? I tried everything. They keep telling me that uh, it is on their end. It's something that has been glitching for certain accounts. It's not common. Blah, blah, blah. Then I'll get a message. It's been fixed. You don't have to go away. You don't have, we're, we're taking care of you. And then I try calling into the next broadcast, and boom, no, not there. So it's just really been frustrating. But anyway. Learned my lesson about it, so I decided to do the go live thing. And sure enough, about five minutes after I should have been on air, it finally let me in. So that's why we're not exactly on the hour for those of you that are here live. But yeah, just in case you cared or wanted to know or whatever. In the meanwhile, uh, glad to also now be playing some Second Amendment PSAs from my uh, friend Dan Wass, who, of course, has been on the show a few times, and you've probably heard Dan over on Annie's show several times, too. Uh, he is one of the currently best and strongest Second Amendment voices in the country, and uh, he's created his own media company now, and the, he's doing his own podcast. He's doing these PSAs. They're getting out there, and I, I count myself very fortunate in being permitted to air those. So uh, if you haven't heard yesterday's show, which was officially the first time that I aired any of them, uh, another part of the fun thing being over at Spreaker uh, and the things I'm working on over there, did three hours. And over the course of those three hours, played three separate uh, PSAs from him, and we'll be doing that again in this hour as well. Problem with only two hours here is I don't get that there. Now, the other problem with having three hours or more is it does kind of make me start thinking for the folks that are doing the rebroadcast stuff. I'm sitting here and I'm like, if I go ahead and do an extra hour now, then maybe I don't have to do Friday night. I'll have enough content out. But I, I start feeling guilty. And the reason I feel guilty is the only reason I started doing more shows through the week 
was because I was trying to make sure there was fresh, relevant con- uh, content uh, for the rebroadcast on the radio stations. It's like if you're listening to a podcast, you see the dates. You pull it up, you're re- listening, you're doing whatever, and, and you know what you're getting. It's like, okay, well, this is going to sound dated because this is from two months ago. But if you're listening to a radio show and uh, you're expecting to hear breaking news and then you hear something that was relevant literally four days after what uh, – literally four days after what you were talking about it, uh, you're just so far behind. So I still like doing I, – I like doing three hours. I do. Uh, it kind of makes me want to do it more here. But anyway. I probably should start this hour now. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being here, guys. Uh, I did touch in the first hour. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, they're trying to uh, invoke an additional bail on him, claiming that he's uh, broken his bail agreement because he didn't register his new address within the time. Uh, we also talked about the incoming Secretary of Education. Now, I want to briefly touch on the fact that for those of you who are Parler fans, uh, the, the future of Parler is looking yet even more bleak because now we're hearing that the Parler CEO, well, he's been telling some of his employees now that he's been terminated by the board. So the future of Parler is no longer in his hands. Now, I don't know if that means the board has decided that they need to go a different route to get them back up and going or if they feel like he's not done a good enough job or maybe maybe they just want to go a completely different route and start in order to get the platform back up and available, start playing along with, acquiescing, if you will, to the would-be thought police at Amazon. If that's the case, I, I'm not particularly happy. Now, I've said multiple times I wish they had learned the lesson uh, that the folks over at Gab had. Now, Gab figured out that, hey, guess what? Now everybody's going to try and keep us from doing something. Hey, here's a novel idea. Let's build our own servers, and we'll just host ourselves. And that's what they do now, and now Gab is back and actually stronger than they've ever been. But anyway. With that being said, just as something worth mentioning while it's a hot news topic, and I would imagine you guys will probably hear more and more about that uh, over the next couple of days. But one of the topics I wanted to touch on tonight, I spent a lot of time yesterday, uh, and again, let me recommend you guys go and check out the archives if you missed yesterday's show. I spent a lot of time talking about school-specific stuff, and here's another story about public school. Uh, San Francisco now is actually – suing its own public school district for failing to develop a sufficient plan to return kids to in-person learning, this according to the city attorney. They announced this again at the time of the live broadcast today. And that, of course, for those of you listening to Terrestrial Radio and the rebroadcast, that's February the 3rd, 2021. Uh, If you're here live, I presume you know what the day is. But if you didn't, hey, now there was a friendly reminder. Now, part of me is wondering why are we still pushing so very, very hard to try to get public schools open? Conservatives have been saying, okay, COVID, there's no science that suggests that public schools are any particular uh, risk. And as it turns out, uh, 
statistically speaking, it's not. And it hasn't been. And we've seen statistics. We've now got a lot of statistics to draw from, uh, from Europe and from Asia. Uh, and you know, in the places where they didn't do the lockdowns and the shutdowns, in the places where they didn't uh, conduct all distance learning or virtual learning, virtual classrooms, where maybe they did say, guys, please wear a mask, and maybe they did do some distancing and throw in some extra Lysol wipes here and there. Uh, but we haven't seen it as being a major spreading point. Which is part of what makes it ridiculous, like places like the Chicago Teachers Union. Now we're not going to do it, and it's white supremacy too to expect us to. A lot of well-meaning, nice white people are going to kill a bunch of black people because that's who's teaching in these schools, or some nonsense uh, similar to that. Well, in San Francisco, they've decided they've got to open back up, and part of the reason why they want to open back up. It's for the very reason why I was wondering why are we why have we been pushing this so long? They're literally giving us the opportunity to transition into homeschooling. They're giving us the opportunity to transition into homeschool cooperatives, which is something that's popped up and has been strangely, unusually, uniquely, and certainly unqualified success. It's working very well because in those cases the kids are still getting uh, their uh, socialization, and, and not one particular parent is stuck being the teacher all the time. So it's working out pretty well, and plus they're getting some professional teachers who uh, are not playing the reindeer games to uh, help out in some of the situations too. So these uh, uh, co homeschool cooperatives actually may be the wave of the future, and I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing so many folks on the left now suddenly want to get the schools open back up. Now, part of it, of course, is like with Gavin Newsom, who's like, ah, guys, guess what? Uh, now that you're uh, seriously looking like you might actually uh, recall my backside, uh, we can open up now. Suddenly, COVID isn't that dire, even though now we have all these new variants, and now we're supposed to wear two masks, and now there's plenty of reasons to be scared because it's mutating so quickly. These new variants, the the, the vaccines may not be effective against some of them, and, and by this time next year, maybe they won't. But hey, you know what? We, we, we can ignore all that if you're actually going to boot me out of power. Funny, isn't it? Anyway, back to this story. We're, we've got a Gavin Newsom story uh, coming up in the next segment, so we'll uh, we'll stay here. <sighs> Private and parochial schools in San Francisco have figured it out. This being said by City Attorney Dennis Herrera, I said this in a statement on Wednesday, February the third. In-person instruction needs to be the Board of Education's singular focus, not renaming schools that are empty or changing admission policies when teachers aren't in classrooms. It's unfortunate we have to take them to court to get it figured out, but enough is enough. Well, that's the quote, and I think he's right now. 
one of the things we talked about in yesterday's show was San Francisco's renaming board. You know, we, we had already talked previously about the 44-plus buildings in the school system that they've decided must have name changes. But what we were talking about was how bad the research was on the people that made the list as to why they were changing the names. I mean more than half of them were relying on uh, sketchy and I, I'm being very diplomatic here, sketchy <laughs> Wikipedia listings or badly written leftist television programs. Now, some of these people were actually up in arms about individuals because they had heard they had done the exact opposite of what they had actually done. And we went over several of those cases, and there's more instances to go over that if you guys want. We can spend a little more time revisiting that in a future broadcast because it's absolutely insane, some of the rationale used by the name-changing board. But I like the fact that good old Dennis here is reminding everybody that uh, the top priority for the San Francisco school system should be to follow suit with like the uh, Las Vegas school system. Well, we didn't want to have in-person learning, but now all the kids are killing themselves, so that'll be our excuse, which is worse. I mean the cure can't be worse than the disease, right? We, we've heard that somewhere. <clears throat> you know, the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the, the climate arsonist. <laughs> yeah, that, that guy. He told us that. And he was right when he said it, surprisingly so. Uh, of course, you know, he, he's the orange man who's bad, so we can't admit he was right if, if you're from the left. Anyway, in recent weeks, while kids have remained out of the classroom, the school board voted for renaming 44 schools. Well, actually, they're not all schools. Some of them are just buildings in the school system, but I digress. This includes – Schools named after Diane Feinstein because supposedly she was involved with having a display of a Confederate flag out. Oh my! And as it turns out, that's not completely accurate. They've also wanted to change some of these buildings named after George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, the school board is also considering uh, scrapping the admin the admissions process at Lowell High School a prestigious public high school in favor of a lottery-based admissions process. In other words, um, you know what? There's, there's no reason why we should make sure that our most academically challenging school system that we have should, you know, expect to have academic standards. That, that doesn't build in equity, does it? How dare you expect them to to fall in line with equality anymore? I mean, equality is useless to these people, and it has everything to do with the definitions of what. Now, equality is a nice-sounding word when you're in the pre-Obama America, because you can whine and complain and say that's not fair, and then talk about equality. But you see, the thing about equality, when you look at the base meeting, equality is an idea, a concept that everybody who's fair-minded and a good spirit, good heart, good soul, they can get behind. I have every fiber of my being desiring equality. I do. And uh, for any accidental leftist listening right now, 
I promise you, an overwhelming majority of conservatives feel the same way. You've been lied to about that, okay? Equality we're on board with. But you have to understand what equality really means. Equality means you got the same shot starting out, that you have the same opportunities. You have access to the same opportunity. That's equality. But that's not what they're selling anymore, is it? Equity, equity, equity. They're hoping you won't notice that the word's that different, but the meaning of the word is so much more so much more dystopian, so much more socialist. Because when you're talking about equity, you're no longer talking about a guaranteed starting point. You're talking about a guaranteed ending point. We've got to make sure that the outcomes are equal. That's how you build equity. Except as I pointed out yesterday and as several other people have pointed out along the way, there's only one way the government can guarantee an equal outcome. And that's to make sure that we're all equally miserable, that we've all equally failed. They cannot guarantee just absolute success. They can't guarantee you're going to become Jeff Bezos. They can't guarantee that you're going to become uh, Elon Musk, Bill Gates. By the way, don't get me started on Bill Gates, this new farm change bill that Biden is implementing, the money… That Trump had been sending to farmers who were suffering as a result of the trade war. Now all that's going to go to implementing sustainability. There's a reason why Bill Gates bought up all that farmland because now he can just say we're not going to do anything with it, and I can collect that money. Bill Gates just getting a big old check from Operation Pee Pads and Knee Pads. Again, that's my nickname for the Biden Harris administration. Operation P pads and knee pads. Anyway, back to this point. This uh, lottery based admission process still up for a vote. It hasn't been decided yet. Now, the lawsuit from the city, however, it seeks to force the district to develop a reopening plan uh, through a, a preliminary injunction. Now, Herrera said that uh, uh, they noted that San Francisco has offered to help in the past. Unfortunately, quoting now Herrera uh, as reported in the San Francisco Gate, unfortunately, the leadership of the school district and the educators union can't seem to get their act together. The Board of Education and the school district have had more than 10 months to roll out a concrete plan to get these kids back in school. So far, they've earned an F. Having a plan to make a plan doesn't cut it. Now, school board president, uh, Ms. Gabrielle Lopez, responded to Mr. Herrera by saying that the lawsuit will most likely slow us down. <laughs> she said that in the San Francisco Chronicle, by the way. Now, Superintendent Vincent Matthews said the school district absolutely has a plan and was simply reassessing different parts of it. The translation, we've kind of got a plan, almost sort of maybe uh, on paper we'll say it's here, but if you look at the plan, it's not a very good plan. In fact, there's big chunks possibly missing. So we were <clears throat> reassessing. <laughs> now, okay, maybe that's not fair. I haven't seen it. Maybe, maybe they do have a plan, and uh, they're just having trouble, like, I don't know, say in Chicago, where 
the teachers' union just doesn't want the teachers to go back to class. Now, maybe they've gotten way too comfortable in the virtual classrooms. Definitely Mayor Lori Lightfoot, a.k.a. winner of the annual Beetlejuice Lookalike contest in Chicago, uh, she looked like she was going to be tough for a little bit. Her and, and the city government, they were, they were ready. They were going to lock out those teachers. And then the teacher said, well, we're going to strike. Okay, what's the difference? If you've locked them out, it doesn't matter if they're striking or not. But what do they do? I, by the way, I'd like to remind everybody that that would be an illegal strike at, while, while we're talking about it. Illegal in the city of Chicago, controlled by the lefties. They wouldn't like it, especially when they're the ones in charge. But anyway, I digress. Point still turns around that maybe, just maybe… You ought to stick to your guns. Hopefully the city of San Francisco will do exactly that. I I haven't seen a lot of reason to have a lot of faith in the city of San Francisco's government. But I do think this effort, this ongoing effort to recall Gavin Newsom may actually be striking some fear into the hearts of a lot of these uber leftists, uh, realizing that, you know what? While the lefties control a lot of the governments uh, throughout the state and in at least the population areas, there is still a whole lot of conservatives in the state of California. They're just out in the more rural areas doing the work that makes California a really beautiful place. And there's also a lot of folks that are typically only slightly left of center. Who are fed up with all the bull crap too. I mean the Democrats have revealed themselves nicely. If you don't give Donald Trump credit for anything else, one thing is certain. He has exposed these people, and he has had these people step out and expose themselves. And in some case, uh, Tubin, I'm, I'm definitely not looking at you. Uh, <laughs> in some cases, he's, they've literally exposed themselves. Thank you, Zoom call. But anyway… It's just mind-boggling. I mean the San Francisco mayor, uh, London Breed, said in a statement that the lawsuit was not the preferred method to get the district to act. But nothing matters more right now than getting our kids back to school. Breed has been pushing for public schools to reopen for months now, including starting all the way back in October. Uh, he's called out the uh, district for uh, dedicating time – to its renaming plans when kids were still out of the classroom. But Frida said on multiple occasions that she's largely powerless to force them to open. I think that the lawsuit might be a good first step towards pushing in that direction, but that's just me. Hey, quick shout-out to Crazy Cajun who's popped into the chat room. Uh, hmm. All right. Well, glad to have you in here, uh, brother. Always good to, to have you in. Now, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, it's time to take a break, isn't it? So if you guys will uh, bear with me and not go anywhere, we're going to uh, do uh, Edward's Notebook. We're going to do a Songs and Stories for Soldiers of Veterans tip of the day and the new Second Amendment uh, PSAs from Dan Wass. So I'm um, Went with Dan first in the first hour. Going to have him 
hit the uh, hit cleanup at the uh, second hour. So you guys stay right where you're at. I'll be right back after this very brief message. On January 25th, 1974, Ronald Reagan gave his famous Shining City on a Hill speech. He was bitterly opposed to the dark, dim direction our nation was heading. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, time does not permit me to share the Gipper's entire message, but his most inspiring conclusion is itself a message for the ages. And I quote, We cannot escape our destiny, nor should we try to. The leadership of the free world was thrust upon us two centuries ago in that little hall of Philadelphia. In the days following World War II, when the economic strength and power of America was all that stood between the world and the return to the Dark Ages, Pope Pius XII said, The American people have great genius for splendid and unselfish actions. Into the hands of America, God has placed the destinies of an afflicted mankind. We are indeed, we are today, the last best hope of mankind on earth. Today our republic is embroiled in a war between those on the political left who literally want to recast her as one nation under China and mob rule. And today's re-founding fathers who seek to reestablish our exceptional nation way of life with true liberty and justice for all. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. This is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Are you looking for a job because you got laid off because of the coronavirus? Most veterans think that the GI Bill can only be used for college, but that's not true. It can also be used for retraining programs. So if you're out of work and looking for a new career, go to the VA.gov and look at the GI Bill benefits. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. We often find ourselves arguing statistics with anti-gun people, but let's put the conversation into perspective. I'll give you some stats, but also expose the anti-gun left's real motives for gun control. First of all, don't you think that anyone who really wants to save lives would focus their attention on an area where the most lives are lost? The gun grabbers like to use the number of 30 to 40,000 gun-related deaths per year. But if we take out suicides, which are 60% of those gun-related deaths, which, by the way, are not reduced by the absence of guns, and we take out law enforcement-related deaths, in other words, good guys killing bad guys, we're left with about 14,880 gun-related homicides. But here's where it gets interesting. The majority of those gun-related homicides are gang-related. So let's say we didn't have the gang problem we have in this country. The number of gun-related homicides shrinks to 2,976 per year in America. Here's another interesting fact that the anti-gun left doesn't want you to know. The majority of gang-related violence occurs in Democrat-run cities across this country that are highly gun-restricted, by the way, and often allow violent illegals safe harbor. What that means is good people living within those cities are denied their right to protect themselves against the human violence that Democrats encourage with their bad policies. Now let's compare that to some other things that the anti-gun left could be working on if they really wanted to save lives. Drunk driving takes almost 11,000 lives per year in America. 47,000 lives are lost per year in America due to suicide, bipolar disorder and schizophrenia being two of the leading causes of suicide, not guns. 
But one of the biggest causes of preventable deaths in America is abortion. Almost 330,000 lives are taken per year in America by people committing abortion. Now let me give you a piece of information that the anti-self-defense crowd doesn't want you to know. How many lives do you think are saved every year because of guns? The answer is two and a half million. Every year in America, two and a half million lives are potentially saved by the use of firearms. Now this doesn't necessarily mean good guys killing bad guys. This most often means just the mere presence of a gun deters a bad guy. And 46% of those lives saved are women. This is a study that was done by Gary Kleck, a Florida criminologist, and backed by data from the CDC. So why do you think the gun grabbers never share this information? Well, some would argue that they don't really care about saving lives as much as they care about disarming their fellow citizens and preventing them from independently protecting themselves and their families. Gun control is a top-down method that puts government in charge of the lives and safety of people under the guise of public safety. It's the first step in stealing the freedom our founders fought for. The anti-left has already decided that they are willing to give up their freedom to government. The problem is they can't have their government-controlled utopian society unless you get on board. And real Americans are clearly not getting on board. Gun control is a way of forcing you into dependence, whether you like it or not. Now, we're never going to cure the evil in the hearts of killers but we can stop them. So, to the gun grabbers, do you really want to save lives? Then get to work on the real causes of human violence and help us restore our gun rights so good people can protect themselves. Help us save lives rather than ending them before they get a chance to take their first breath. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that break. I love hearing Dan Wass bring the information. Glad to have the new PSAs available. And I do hope you'll go check out everything going on at Wass Media. Uh, definitely uh, worth your time, I assure you. A uh, couple of quick headlines that I wanted to pound out before we went on to uh, the major topic for the final segment of the show. Uh, there's reports circulating that – you know I can't go more than a couple of episodes without mentioning her by name. It's become it's become a tradition here. There's reports circulating now that AOC, Miss Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I'm sorry, the Honorable Representative from New York, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, there's reports that she wasn't inside the Capitol building during the January 6th breach. And this is coming from a representative that shares an office – well, shares the same building for her office as AOC's office is in. So interesting take there. It appears that news organizations like Newsweek and CBS and uh, CNN have kind of taken uh, Miss Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's recollections of that day and have intentionally manipulated them for public consumption to tell a narrative. Shocking, I know. 
Also, the brand new Climate Czar, because, you know, we definitely needed one of those, uh, the vaunted John Curry. Uh, he made a comment about private jet travel. Uh, the only thing you really need to know about what these people think about themselves and how much better they are than the rest of us, uh, when it comes to the private jet travel, it's the only way or choice. It's the only choice. For somebody like me. Yeah, okay. Uh, that That's what he said. It's the only choice for somebody like me. Meanwhile, uh, for somebody like us, guys, we, we can just forget about eating meat or having gas-powered automobiles or any of that stuff. Any of that stuff. <laughs> okay. Just had to mention it because I know I'm not going to get a chance to go back, and these are normally things I would have to comment about. And perhaps if I was doing a three-hour broadcast, I would get to that tonight. But anyway, uh, I still have to go this route because I've been telling you for a while now that the intersectionality is doomed. You know, it's destined for failure. The left will devour themselves. They can't help it. They align against a common enemy, but they don't share the same goals and same objectives. They just have people like us standing in their way when it comes to things like, I don't know, a Marxist overthrow of the republic. Yeah, we we kind of don't like that. Case in point, several BLM Incorporated leaders – are kind of upset at this idea that's been floating around. See, after reports recently surfaced that the current, but perhaps for not long, Democratic governor of the state of California, Gavin Newsom, was being lobbied to appoint current congressman and aspiring screenwriter Adam Schiff as California's next attorney general. Some of the most prominent criminal justice reform advocates in the state, they banded together to express their, and I'm quoting here, strong opposition. Now, current Attorney General Xavier uh, Bercera, Bercera, I think is the right pronunciation. Uh, I always manage to not get that one right. So again, Xavier, I, I don't agree with your political slant, but I – Never try to intentionally disrespect you by mispronouncing your name. Anyway, the current attorney general of the state of California is expected to vacate the position if he's confirmed to serve in President Joe Biden's cabinet. Man, I still I have a hard time just saying President Joe Biden. Uh, let, let me go back and say in uh, barely there Beijing Biden's cabinet. That, yeah, that feels better. Feels a lot better. Anyway, uh, the idea here is that uh, he's up for a position as Secretary of Health and Human Services. Because yeah, being the Attorney General of a state is good experience for that. I guess like Pete Buttigieg got great transportation experience. Do you even have to have experience? anymore uh, if you're at least willing to go along with the leftist program? I mean, seriously, could, could I, if I was a lefty instead, could I be currently expecting a position, a cabinet-level position? I don't know, Secretary of State, perhaps? 
I, I'm just I'm wondering out loud because clearly I have all this great experience that has not a daggum thing to do with <laughs> instituting foreign policy. So obviously I'd be perfect based on what we're seeing so far. Anyway, I digress. Axios reports that Shift is quietly lobbying Newsom and the governor's allies, uh, citing people familiar with the matter. Now, according to the outlet, and it pains me to to refer to Axios as an outlet, but you know, sometimes they do good reporting and sometimes not so much. It's it's a real mixed bag over there. So I guess I shouldn't be that down on them. I, it, 50% of the time, they're hugely better than CNN, so yeah. Anyway, according to Axios, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has given her approval to Schiff's bid, adding that the AG job would better position Schiff to run for Senator Dianne Feinstein's seat should the 87-year-old Decide not to run for re-election in 2024. Isn't it funny how Dianne Feinstein just suddenly is of no value at all to the left? Amy Cody Barrett shows up uh, for confirmation for a Supreme Court justice position, and because she didn't just treat her like scum beneath her shoe, suddenly the left has no use for her. I mean, they've literally been trying to cancel Diane Feinstein ever since. Now, when it was discovered that she had had a Chinese spy in her employee for decades, ah, yeah, that could happen to anybody. Uh, that's not a problem. And when it was discovered that she was always voting for gun control, despite the fact that she's got a concealed carry permit, which is a very rare gem to have. In a state like California, because they really go out of their way to keep you from being able to have a firearm, well, yeah, that, that just means she's smart enough to, to know that she, having to face off threats from the mean, nasty, homegrown terrorists that we all call conservatives, she's just being smart. But when she doesn't go to war and try to dehumanize and destroy a potential Supreme Court justice because they were appointed by the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. Well, then all of a sudden, poof, well, what do we got you around for? Get out of here. <laughs> now, I, I really do think to a certain degree that Nancy Pelosi, she says, well, it might be an opportunity for Schiff to, to move over to the Senate. But in truth, she's probably just happy to see Schiff go. Because there's no way she could trust Schiff. I mean, Nancy, for all her uh, personality flaws, I'll, I'm, I'm going to be diplomatic. For all her personality flaws, personification of evil, um, she is still reasonably intelligent, uh, rather smart, in fact, as far as manipulating the movement. Now, she has wrongly calculated here recently on a few things, but she's real good at playing the political game, and she has to know that Adam Schiff is not the kind of guy that you want in your caucus. Anyway, various coalitions, uh, including Los Angeles 
faith-based Black Lives Matter leader, Ms. Colors, who we've talked about on multiple occasions, Ms. Patrice, uh, Melina Abdullah, and of course dozens of allied progressive activist groups have co-signed an open letter to Gavin Newsom dated February 1st, uh, basically taking a long, hard look at Schiff's record. Uh, quoting from the letter now, <clears throat> when Adam Schiff was a member of the California legislature, he was not only supportive of, but deeply invested in creating our current system of incarceration. The system of incarceration has continued to devastate communities of color and continues to take resources away from our schools, cities, and all Californians in need. Now, part of me wants to just say, hey, maybe it wouldn't bother certain communities of color so bad if you guys stopped committing all those crimes. But that wouldn't be nice. It would be factual, but it wouldn't be nice. And we know the left really doesn't like facts to be used against them. It's like holy water and a vampire, right? <laughs> ah, you imagine? <laughs> you imagine Miss Pelosi alone in a room with Billy Graham if he was still with us for an hour? It would literally be like scenes out of The Exorcist, I'm sure. The power of Christ compels you. <sighs> Sorry, Ned. enjoying my own temporary delusions for a moment. Okay, so yeah, that's, that's their argument. And legitimately, with where the Democratic Party is right now, clearly the very idea, the very notion that someone might actually be incarcerated for Committing a crime, clearly because the criminal is a victim of society, and now society has come to recognize that victimhood. It's just no longer sensible to have anybody involved who had anything to do with helping to create that current level of incarceration. But hey, guys, who would you all vote for for president? Just a quick question because I'm pretty sure that there's this guy currently occupying – 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, you may have heard of him. His name is Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Uh, pretty sure he had a big hand on a lot of the federal level creation of that system of incarceration that you're complaining about. But I don't know. Maybe that doesn't. I kind of like him going after Adam Schiff, but it seems funny that that's the reason. So at any rate, in case you were unfamiliar with the history, Schiff was, of course, elected to the California State Senate uh, back in 1996, four years before moving to the U.S. Congress. Uh, this letter includes a litany of decade-old bills attributed to Schiff. Now, that, that to me is impressive. I, I would never – Schiff has never struck me as the kind of guy who was willing to work hard enough to have a litany of bills uh, even associated with him, even if he was just a co-sponsor, which literally is just saying, yeah, I'll go along with it. <laughs> I mean that's all the work that takes. It's still shocking to me that Schiff would have more than three. Uh, really, I, we've seen what some of these people do, right? 
So anyway, uh, they said that uh, that uh, the letter included a litany of decade-old bills attributed to Schiff, along with a brief breakdown of the alleged negative consequences that those measures had on society after their passage. The letter also suggests that Schiff's policies helped increase the state's prison population, make more people homeless, and are partly responsible for leaving some rural areas of the Golden State without access to clean water. I don't know. So in a single term of four years, Adam Schiff made increased incarceration and punishment for poor parents the focus of his legislative agenda. This is still coming from the letter. He was not merely a yes vote on bad legislation. He was the author of so many bills that were aimed directly at poor people, black people, and people of color, which I thought we were all some color or another. But again, that's what I get for thinking, right? Now, I'm sorry. I Maybe he introduced these bills and passed them off as his own, but do you guys think Adam Schiff was actually writing legislation? Because presumably uh, – we'll, we'll go down the uh, – we'll go down the uh, market here. With the passage of time, we often gain more wisdom, right? We become a little smarter. <laughs> if you're going to get smarter, you're going to get better at things. I, you guys did catch Schiff's efforts in the first impeachment hearing, right? Uh, you know, he's going after the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eaters of babies, the climate arsonist. You, you know, that, that guy we all still say is president because – YouTube algorithm don't listen. He won. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, hanging out in Marlago right now. Although the residents of Marlago aren't happy about it. Yeah, whatever. Deal with it. You guys don't deserve Trump living in your neighborhood. And then of course they're thinking, we don't deserve it. You're right, we don't. This is terrible. Uh no, I'm saying he's too good for you. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Chief in the chat room says that he loves Adam Schiff. Uh, with Marty Feldman gone, he's the best cartoon eyes available. <laughs> and Chief, as always, makes a great point. <laughs> All right, so the point being, if he was really writing this legislation, we, we know how the legislation gets written these days. Don't we? Third-party folks are writing it. People are out here. Like the Tides Foundation, they're introducing all kinds of legislation, and they're just handing it off and letting some elected official claim that that's their bill. We know how that's played. We know that there probably hasn't been a actual bill brought to the, the floor of the House to be voted on that a single person in that room has read. So they certainly didn't write it. Now, whether you had this part, you had, no, somebody from the outside had written it. 
teams of people. We know that's how the game is played now. These folks are literally voting on stuff that they have no idea what they're actually voting on. Nancy Pelosi, she wasn't kidding when she said you have to pass the bill to find out what's in the bill. Dumbest thing we've ever heard, but true. That's what they have to do because they're not going to read it if they don't pass it. And if they do pass it, then eventually they start trying to go back and figure out what exactly did they pass. What is this law now, especially if someone in the office of Operation P-Pads and E-Pads happens to sign it into law? <laughs> Chief now in the chat room is uh, petitioning for a reboot of Young Frankenstein, and he wants uh, Mr. Schiff to play Igor. <laughs> now, I, again, these fictitious – Schiff would probably be down with that. He probably would. He he clearly likes the creative part of the job uh, based on his discussion about the infamous Ukrainian phone call that Schiff entered into the record. Complete fantasy. Just sit there making it up as he went. Uh, the only two things that were factual in the conversation was Ukraine and Donald Trump. Everything else he just made up on the spot. It's uh, very impressive. <laughs> uh, Igor, cousin of Al Gore. <laughs> Hank Jones uh, now getting in on the uh, action with Chief, uh, and I'm digging it. Uh, at any rate, uh, what, what else are we going to do? We got to laugh right now, right? We got to find some humor here because we know what's coming. The economy is already tanking. People who had good jobs are now trying to figure out what they're going to do next. They're trying to move illegal migrants to the head of the line for COVID vaccines. Not that the COVID vaccines are going to be any good in another six months anyway, because all the new variants are out scaring everybody. And rest assured, it's going to be okay. You just wear three masks or or five masks, you know, whatever number of masks it takes before you can't breathe at all. And then you'll be safe from COVID. You're going to die from asphyxiation, but you'll be safe from COVID. And now that Democrats are in charge, they won't count that as a COVID death anymore. So, hey, yay, small victories, right? Man, they changed the rules on counting the COVID deaths and it's funny how, how quickly things are so much miraculously better under Biden, even though they're really worse. <laughs> not that people didn't expect it. It's not a surprise. We were talking about it. But that's pretty much where I'm going to have to leave things tonight. Don't really have time to get into any other issue. But, man, I mean, I was afraid the news cycle was going to kind of start slowing down. Uh, but right now, I can't even keep up with the pace that, uh, that Joe Biden's writing executive orders. So we'll, we'll take a look once that uh, pace slows down a little bit, and we'll see uh, how many executive orders uh, Joe Biden writes in his first 100 days or first 15 days. Yeah, I, I don't know how many days he's going to make it. I'm, I'm already shocked that. They haven't found some excuse to remove him, but as long as he's uh, standing up and taking the, the arrows for having signed this so-called progressive wish list, I guess they'll let him keep doing that. The moment that he stops for a second and remembers that Bo is no longer with us and then asks the question, 
what am I doing here? Then they'll find a reason to get rid of them, probably sooner rather than later. <sighs> Love being here with you guys with the chat room going, though. I have missed the chat room. I have. I have. That being said, though, it is time for me to shuffle on up for the evening. I do want to thank each and every one of you fine folks, and I'll give you one more shout-out for the people that are still in here. we got Bringing It Boy in the house. That's when you know the party has really started, when the normally fashionably late Bringing It Boy enters the chat room. Uh, usually, almost always, bringing along his beautiful, charming, talented, and very intelligent wife, Suzette. Which you know from Suzette Live, a show that you can find over on Spreaker. Just look for Ideas Are Bulletproof uh, Network, and you will find her stuff. And I highly recommend you do that. We've got Hank Jones still hanging out with us. Hank was first one in tonight, hung in here the whole night. Glad to have it. Highly recommend you check out not just this show, but literally everything over on the Global Patriot Radio Network. Lots of great shows. And they're all phenomenal, and I have a special, special love for Hank's show because I love the polish, but I never get to catch it live, but I do still eke out enough time to go back into the archives and listen, and it's just – it's great. It's really worth doing. We got Chief also here till the very end, host of Simple Facts of Life. Uh, go to blogtalkradio.com. You can check him out there, and I, I, I got to leave it there, guys. I've really got to leave it there. In the meanwhile, though, please, whatever else you take from tonight's broadcast, do not take my word for it, not one little bit of it. I want you to be prepared to put in some effort, and more importantly than that, in fact, most important of all, please, please, if you really want to tap into the truth, you've got to use your brain. In the meanwhile, guys, stay safe out there. Stay healthy. And, uh, you know, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. I'm out for now. I've got enough content right now. I don't know for sure what to do, but I will tell you I will be back here live on Wednesday for sure next Wednesday. And I'm scheduled to be joined by both Ron Edwards and Mr. Dan Perkins. So please come back, visit. We'll see you then. And meanwhile, I'm out. Good night, guys.
is using both hands. Well, I prefer the 308 to the tiny two three. Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family. It's using both hands. 